and to a new RFM on a Friday afternoon at ten past one. It is time to talk travel and Sally Lucas joining me, Jane Klein. Sally, you do love talking about France and if you can get more people in to talk about France, all the better. And so we've got a special guest doing that today. We do have a very special guest. We have Andy Steele with us who's come out from the UK and he does come out here from time to time um, talking about the sort of things he does over there. Um, he has been a, a police officer in his past, a detective inspector, and he decided he wanted to do some of the lighter things in life, I think, and he's moved on now to doing some uh, wonderful escorted programs through the battlefield areas of France. So I thought it would be most interesting initially to have Andy talk about that part of France, and then we can move on to some of the areas later on. But initially, I think the battlefield is, is a very strong pull for Australians, of course, and the amount of lives that were lost there, of course, it was still huge, the most we've ever lost. Lost, you know, so I think if he can let us know exactly what we could experience if we were to do a battlefield tour either in the the Somme area or the Normandy area. So, Andy, I think it's over to you to sort of fill us in, I guess, on the sort of things that one could experience. Yes, good afternoon, Sally. Um, the battlefields in, in France and Belgium are unique and they cover uh, two time periods, really. The First World War, 1914 to 1918, and then the Second World War. Mm. And if I can divide it into two, yeah. uh, the Western Front, for the Australians and the New Zealanders, um, was iconic. Yeah. And the Aussies uh, didn't arrive there until the summer of 1916, but they fought right the way through until the end, November mm. 1918. Uh, and, and a few figures, just to put it in perspective, because often mm. people forget the, uh, the, uh, the numbers. Uh, population in Australia in 1914 was roughly four and a half million. Of, mm. of those, 400,000 young men aged between 18 and 42 signed up. 300,000 served on the Western Front. Now that's about 38% of your entire male population. Mm. That's unbelievable when you put it into figures like that, isn't it? And 200,000 were casualties. Yeah. Uh, and f about 50 odd thousand remain buried in France and Belgium. Yeah. So the the the, the, um, the tours in uh, in those areas in France and Belgium mm. are iconic, uh, and when we go there with Australians and New Zealanders, I tell people um, firstly the, the statistics I've given you, but also the fact that if a young man died in France uh, or Belgium, uh, he was buried there and he remains there. It wasn't possible for the family to visit the grave. Mm. The mother or father would be informed a week or two later that uh, their son had died. Uh, it wasn't possible. It was a round trip of, of 12 weeks. That's and financially right. restrictive. And very often, when we go there with relatives now, mm. um, nephews and nieces and perhaps grandsons, they are the first relative to visit the grave. Mm. The other thing is many of the locations are rural where the battles were fought, the Somme, Ypres, Villabretonneau, yes. Amou, they're all rural, and they remain pretty much unchanged from the situation that was there in 1916 through to 1918. So what I like to do is um, do some research into relatives, uh, uh, use uh, local maps, IGN maps, and then we walk the ground. And then I tell the story on the ground about exactly what happened there nearly 100 years ago. Yeah. And that's absolutely iconic. 
It's wonderful. Uh, I found it very, you know, sombre or sombering, if that's the right word. But I know we went there just for a day trip out of mm. Paris a couple of years ago. And, and um, it was a, a freezing cold, one of those freezing cold, wet days. And I mean, it was June, but it was just one of those rare days. And it really brought it home what they must have gone through. I, he was I with a nice raincoat and, and an umbrella to be able to duck in and out and look at the monuments in the fields where these these people fought. And as I mentioned to you off air a, a while ago, the Newfoundland men that came, mm. nearly the whole island of Newfoundland sent their men, yes. and they were just mowed down. And and you know it was just I, I just had goosebumps on my goosebumps. I it really is. Did. Um, though I, I give you an example, and this is a, a good example. A lady uh, spoke to me, um, and she said, "Can you take me to where my great uncle served?" Uh, I did the research. I went to a field, a little track up a field, in between uh, Pozier and Corselet, mm-hmm. near a Mouquet farm. The Aussies called it Moucao farm. Yes, I know. And in that field, all her great-uncles died on the same day. Wow. And I related to them exactly what happened on that day and the fact that two of them probably remain in the field to this day. Yes, amazing. And I remember Moquet Farm as well. We, yes, we did go there and Posier and, um, went to saw where the Red Baron, you know, went down oh, yes, and all that yes. sort of thing. But quite, quite a remarkable experience. And I think anyone who, um, hasn't done the battlefields should do so. We are talking travel for our sponsor, Travel World on King. And what better to talk about than La Belle France, Sally Lucas? Absolutely, La Belle France. And, um, this is another area, of course, the, that Andy knows quite well and he has lived in France for a number of years too and speaks fluent French so his knowledge of France is um, obviously very good probably a lot better than mine um, some of the areas though Andy I know are just beautiful I mean Bone is one I th- remember being the most beautiful mm. medieval city and of course you've got Chartres, Mont Saint-Michel and mm. the Loire Valley and oh you know on and on we go so what are some of your favourites and some of the highlights that you discover when you do these regions? Um when I, when I visit France, I lived there for five years. Mm-hmm. When, I li- vis- when I visit France, I'm always discovering new locations. Mm-hmm. I'm always learning. Yes. Uh, and two of my favorite locations are firstly Normandy, mm-hmm. beautiful rolling countryside, uh, and the Loire Valley right. with the lovely Tufo stone, the lovely golden stone, yes. which, is, uh, which has been used as a building material for 600 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're the beautiful locations. Um, I prefer them. And the Loire, of course, has got so many chateaus. Lots of chateaus, and a lot of those are caused by the disputes between England at the time and France, <laughs> and the kings of France and the kings of uh, the dukes of, uh, of Burgundy. So uh, a lot of the chateaux down there have um, English origins. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that myself, so there you go. <laughs> as, I learned, as you say, we all learn something new every day, and there's always a new discovery around the corner, isn't there? There is. And you look at France. I mean, I look at a map of France and look at the roads, and you look at a map of Australia, and it looks like we don't even have any roads. because <laughs> there's just so much to discover in France. There is. Uh, and, and people forget that the UK and France have a really very similar population, mm-hmm. but France is two and a half times bigger. It, of course. And the concentrations of population around Paris, Lille, Marseille, mm. and Bordeaux are far mm. higher. Mm. And so the rural France is re- really quite rural. Um, and the other aspect of it is they love their food and their wine. Oh, absolutely. And so do I, which is why I love <laughs> France. <laughs> so, <I> mean- <laughs> so when you go to places uh, in France, they really love to show you uh, the, the, the local wine and uh, for you to taste the local food. 
And particularly the cheeses, of course. Ah, oh, look, the cheese board. I mean, they bring out a cheese board. I mean, a cheese board in Australia, again, looks quite, quite awful by comparison. I mean, they come out with these huge, often you know, on wheels, the great big trolley with cheeses, you know, out to wherever. And you think, my God, where do I start? But yes. they're beautiful. Yes, they are. Um, and and they're, they're soft cheeses and they're hard cheeses. Mm. Mm. Uh, wonderful cheeses. I go, I go to a little place in France. Uh, and the son of the owner is a fromagerie. He ah. makes cheese, and the cheese he uh, he makes uh, next door to the little uh, loggy where I go to. Uh, it's really local, within 20 yards of where you're eating it, and it's wonderful. Oh, that's, they're, they're all fantastic experiences, aren't they? And eating at the local restaurants and staying in the more boutique-style accommodation, you know, away from these, you know, Hilton's Four Seasons, etc. You know, when you're staying in quaint, rustic accommodation, you really get the feel for a country as well, I think. You do. Uh, the other aspect of it is, is they, ta- they take pride in hotels. They take pride in their restaurants. They love people enjoying their food. They love people enjoying their hotels. Mm. And where you have a family that run a hotel for a period of time, and maybe now they're, they're siblings, uh, they're just wonderful. Yeah. And you, you eat the local produce. Generally, they speak French. Of course. In, in the rural areas. And why shouldn't they? Absolutely right. I mean, absolutely. That's what I say. I, I just love it. But you do obviously have a, a fondness for the, uh, the old home country as well. So what are your favourite parts there? Uh, I have two favourites. I live um, just west of London, between Oxford mm-hmm. and Windsor. Mm-hmm. The two areas I love are uh, Dorset, mm-hmm. right the way down in the south coast, yeah. uh, and Cornwall. I love Cornwall, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went walking in Cornwall with my son at the beginning of the year. Uh, around the coastal path, absolutely magnificent. Um, yeah. And, and uh, there are no uh, major roads down past Exeter. Uh, mm. There are A roads, but there are no motorways. And so you can get onto the back roads there and keep off the main roads around the coast. And that's what you want to coast. do, don't you? I it's mean, wonderful. to get off any, anywhere, whether it be France or England, to get onto those back roads and just be able to potter, as I call it. And absolutely. I mean, and then you've got the wonderful Rick Stein restaurant, of course, in Cornwall. Yes, I've well, vis- I visited uh, Mr. Stein's restaurant on uh, several occasions. Mm. It is a sublime experience. Mm. Um, the drawback to it is, invariably, when I go there, I have the food and it's wonderful, but I drink sparkly water mm-hmm. because I'm driving. Uh, one day I'll take my wife there and we'll have a, a lovely uh, meal. A nice and long lunch and, and have wine. a wine. <laughs> yes. Well, I've only been to his restaurant in Australia, which is Bannister's down at Mollymook on the oh, south right. coast. And one of the best seafood restaurants I've ever been to in Australia, I must say. So um, one day I'll get to experience it, I'm sure, in Cornwall. And I've just had friends come back and they, they actually drove themselves a, a mum who's in her 80s and the daughter. And she said she thought Cornwall, that she hadn't been before and absolutely blown away by Cornwall. Yes, I, I love Cornwall. Uh, but Dorset is wonderful as well. Yes. I was down there about, um, oh, about two months ago. Mm-hmm. And we stayed in a farmhouse down there, and we just walked around the countryside. We ate in uh, in pubs mm. and had a few pints of bitter. Um, and when you get off the beaten track, there mm. are some wonderful locations. Oh, look, there are. I mean, there's just so much we could talk about today. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have that much time, Andy. <laughs> I am so sorry. But look, we've loved having you on the show today. And um, yeah, just your knowledge and your input about all these lovely things you can do in France and England is, is quite wonderful. I'm sure the listeners would have been happy to hear all your little tidbits and <laughs> all your bits of information that you've passed on today. So thank you so much. 
It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for um, asking me the questions. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Andy. Andy Steele from Backroads Tours. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. And thanks to Andy Steele. And we'll be talking travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.